You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, a podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with Cliffy Day on the other side of the... Well, you're on the other side of something today. Um, I couldn't think of something. Uh, so how, how are you doing, Cliff? How, how's, how's life? How's, how's it going post-home opener? I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, I, don't uh. cost, I don't cost a cent. So you, you can just open up. Just, just tell me how you really feel. Kind of thirsty, actually. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know about you, but I could definitely go for something to drink right about now. I think so. I think it was also, you know what? It was promised. We don't want to dis- disappoint our fans. We can't. This is true. So you go first. All righty. Well, I got myself a nice uh, adult beverage here. So let's uh, let's crack that bad boy open. Oh, I'm glad you didn't shake it. <laughs> no, oh, that's oh, that's so nice. I was about to say, if you, if you said that was skunky, then we're in trouble. Then you got to go grab something else. <laughs> now you're not going to let me. You're not, you're not going to let me drink alone now, oh, are you? Hell no, hell no. Hold on a second. Oh, it didn't open, and that sounded perfect. Ah, uh. I got to pour it into my glass here because I don't Ooh. think I'll, I don't know if I'll be finishing the entire thing. Oh, and not on the computer. Not near the computer. <laughs> so, Cliff, what is what's on the agenda for tonight? What's what is your 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 drink du jour? Well, I've decided to go with uh, uh, the finest of fine, with uh, a nice, refreshing Rolling Rock from uh, well, used to be Latrobe, Pennsylvania, but now it's brewed by Anheuser Busch in St. Louis. So, kind of takes some of the uh, the cachet out of it, but still a delicious beverage nonetheless. So damn, damn corporate people. What are we going to do about it? Oh, geez, gosh, I no, no, no. I, I don't know, I don't know. As a disclaimer, we would love to have anybody within a corporation please contact us because yes, we are open for business. No, we're not chilling, but yes, we are kind of chilling. But please contact us. I, on the other hand, am drinking a lovely Canadian. Yes, that's what I said. Canadian apple cider. From oh. usually out of Nova Scotia. Current, this one is currently brewed in Ontario. It is No Boats on Sunday. Ooh. No Boats on Sunday. Premium craft cider. So, you know, that's interesting. You're, you're like on a level because people know about the craft beers, but craft cider now. Oh, yeah. yeah th- this, one's actually, this one's actually quite good. It's very smooth. Thing to put it on to except for my i'm not using my cell phone as a coaster <laughs> uh, I, I would strongly not advise it because the good folks at one plus who makes our cell phones yes i don't think they'd appreciate us using uh using our uh our, our wonderful telephones as coasters uh-uh. <laughs> all right do we try we could try to be as positive as possible because this is probably one of the this is one of the worst this is the worst home opener in I, I think it's the most points they've ever given, given up in a home opener uh, the, I mean the Owls get shellacked um, a lot to 10 <laughs> um, 56 to 10 yes by Winnipeg and you know what you, you know what burns me more than anything else it's not so much that we lost uh, I can live with that it's not so much that we lost to the Blue Bombers and their quarterback who by the way has never played professional football other than this year is in his only his second professional football game he comes into percival molson stadium and lights this team right the f- up yes. how, 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 how does that happen but okay that does happen sometimes these are all things that are not fun but i can to a degree live with what i cannot live with is the absolute lack of effort 
in not only just scoring 10 lousy points, but just no effort, no heart, no nothing from this team last Friday. It was pathetic. It was depressing. I I, I, I can't even begin to think of how many adjectives I want to use to describe just how god-awful this football game was. Wait, wait, wait. It was, wait, 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 wait. Slow down. Slow down. It's okay. Take a drink. Take a drink. All right. <sighs> well, that's good. Now, you may continue your rant. Ten lousy points this week. Ten lousy points the week before. I mean, yeah, as, 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 as much as I would prefer not to mention his name on this podcast, Herb Zerkowski kind of had it on, on the point. This team is projected to score 180 points this 2018 season at the rate they're going, and they just very well might do that. It, 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 I don't get it. I don't get how this team brings in coaches that are supposedly so wonderful and uh, you know such either defensive-minded geniuses or offensive-minded geniuses, and the best you can do is 10 points. And then meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, you burp up 56 points. Are you f- kidding me? I, I don't get it. So is, is 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 the coaches the problem? Is the players the problem? Because I keep hearing, hey, this, this is a great locker room. There's great chemistry. Okay, fine. I believe that. I definitely believe that there is great chemistry in this room. But you know what? Games aren't played in the f- locker room. Games are played on the field. And the past two games we've seen started out okay enough. It's almost as if if, if, if it was just the first quarter of football that mattered, the Alouettes would be a very good competitive team. It's the remaining three quarters where they just fall apart, and I just don't understand why. And it seems like nobody can give me an answer. And that's it's frustrating for me sitting in the stands watching it. I have no doubt it's frustrating for you sitting in the stands watching yeah, it. Yeah. And the 19,000 people that actually bothered to show up and give this team – a chance with the hope that maybe things were really truly going to turn around after so many years of just middling at best football. My God, I I don't care who you are on the Montreal Alouettes organization. If you collect a paycheck from this football team, you owe every one of those 19,000 plus fans an apology. And quite frankly, I, I even go so far as to say you should refund their money and say, you know what? We're sorry. We blew it this week. I hope you'll give us another chance because I, I don't know if we deserve it, but, you know, we're really sorry that we put forth this pathetic effort and we'll we'll hopefully do better the next time around. Now, did Coach, Quite, did, did Coach Sherman, I think, he didn't say it in so many words, but he did, in his pre-post-game conference, press conference, he did take full responsibility for it. I mean, that you, you have to as a head coach, right? Um, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know what? And that's the thing. Coach Sherman... His record speaks for itself, for the most part. But as as a as a as a coach in the NFL, I was about to say but, that CFL one. It's so far zero and two. Yeah, that's that's a little less uh, encouraging. But again, fine. If this is who is supposed to be leading this Alouettes team, then so be it. But uh, holy crap! Like what the hell? Like it's uh, I cannot wrap my head around this. Uh, I I just can't. It's you no. Know, it's very it's very frustrating. I think. We haven't had a beginning like this since I think it was '96 when the Alouettes first came into the into town. Where, you know, we the Owls were the Owls started off I think 0 and three, and they were blown out by Calgary at home. Um, you know, it's it's just so frustrating. I mean, when the the most uh, you know the 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 most memorable thing that occurred was that epic, and I, and I think Cliff, you'll agree with me, was that epic, epic touchdown celebration by uh by bj cunningham i mean it was epic absolutely friend of the show bj cunningham scored his first touchdown in 2018 i'd have to say if i had to choose one positive from last friday's game there's no question it would be bj scoring that touchdown and that was a pretty sweet uh selly as the kids say really (laughs) that's what the kids say uh, I, I saw it on the internet, so it has to be true. Because <laughs> uh, I was going to say, with what Herb was saying, are you saying Herb was lit? And I was like, and even I don't say lit. Or, or, or <laughs> Herb was on fleek? Am I saying that right? Hold on a second. got to pour some more. By the way, these bottles come in 500 milliliters. Can't complain. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's a great serving size. That's perfect. Let's, let's get the bad stuff out of the way here. Okay. The Alouettes, the 13th loss, uh, Cliff. In a row is now tied for the fourth worst in CFL history. 
The game last week was the fifth worst loss in Montreal franchise history. The minus of 46 points is the largest margin of defeat in a home opener. The old record was minus 36, by the way, versus Winnipeg. Oh, my God. On July 16th, 1982. 1980. They were pretty garbage in 82, actually, if I remember correctly. Uh, most points ever given up in a home opener. Second largest amounts of second largest amount of points have given up at home in team history. And last but not least, first time Alouettes have given up 50 plus at home in the regular season since July 10th, 1996 to Calgary, which was 62 to 22. And that was the game I was telling you about before where they may have lost their first three, but they ended up going, I think, 12 and six that year and going to the uh, to the CFL semifinal. There are things within the Owls history like this, like the like the. You know, last time the, the Owls lost, uh, did not go to the playoffs for three straight years. That next year, they went and won, and won the Grey Cup. Well, if that's going to happen this year, it sure as hell not to be as a result of Drew Willie as quarterback. I'm sorry. He just looked absolutely terrible. Now, all, I will say, fair, though. I'll say the O-line didn't help. No, the, the O-line hung him out to dry. Absolutely. I mean, everyone in front of Drew Willie owes Drew Willie an apology, just like Drew Willie owes everybody on the LOS an apology for just such a piss poor performance, quite frankly. Uh, I'm sorry. There's, I, It's one of those chicken and the egg kind of things. Like if the O-line protects him better, he might throw better. If he was throwing better, then the O-line might play a little bit better too. I, I don't know exactly, but uh, it was just a, a bad, bad, bad effort all around from pretty much everybody on offense. I mean, even receivers were just having just – there's, there was just nothing. There's just no connection, no chemistry. And once again, the the ground game gets ignored. I mean, Sonny gets oh, a couple of geez, couple of runs, but that's about it. Uh, God, it's I, I I don't know what I'm more pissed off about. It, the I I'm used to the lackluster offense from the Alouettes over the past couple of years, but you at least sort of say to the defense, well. The defense will at least keep this team in games. Well, they sure as hell didn't keep them in no, this game. No, and there was more than one person on on social media who made a comment about Chris Ackey, and it was funny. It, it got to the point where they were talking about how he, how his stance, how wide his feet were, was hurting his coverage. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and, and I think these were former former or current players uh, in the CFL, and they were really going hard on it. Because if they can, if they can notice these type of things, then it makes you wonder what are the what else are these uh, teams seeing on film? Even though we got two weeks in, uh-huh. okay. Let let this this is the bad. The, okay, yes, the Alouettes only scored ten points, but at least they scored in the third quarter this year. But yet they didn't score. In the, they didn't score in the first and the fourth. They've not scored in the fourth quarter yet this season. Uh, do <laughs> next. Uh, Drew Willie, 16 to 25, 111, and one touchdown was not picked. Rushing Terrell Sutton, only four <laughs> carries, 53 yards. His, and most of it was on, a lo- on the 44-yard scamper, which, which uh, was absolutely amazing. So explain to me how a guy, you, you can hand the ball off and he gets 44 yards. Uh-huh. And you don't keep handing the ball off to him. I know. I mean, uh, and, and it's not like they can use the exact same same excuses that they did last week. It was the game. It was a lot closer. Sure, they were out of the game uh, basically in the, the second at the, by halftime. You know, I, I don't get that. Um, Chris Williams got uh, had five receptions, twenty-two yards. EJ got some three receptions, twenty-three. Terrell Sutton got into the mix as usual, three receptions for twenty-eight. BJ Cunningham three for twenty-five, and Eugene Lewis four for thirty-four. So it was spread out quite a bit, which is good. That's good. The issue is, though, is they couldn't score and they couldn't stop. When you give up over 260 yards of total rushing cliff, okay, and the passing, the passing was decent. You know, Strebler had a monster game, you know, 78%, 78% uh, on his passing, but it was only for 246 yards. But it was how they did it. Mind you, Strebler was a running machine, too. He almost gained 100 yards himself. And that's what blows my mind. He almost had 100 yards rushing, whereas Drew Willie only had 100 plus yards passing. Mm-hmm. That if that's not a wake up call to not just Drew Willie but the entire coaching staff and the entire organization, don't tell me it's not hard. It's not easy to find good quarterbacks. I to a degree, yes, you're right. They 
there's not too many good ones out there. But holy crap, if Winnipeg was able to find this guy, and again, I, I, I cannot stress enough, this guy was not playing professional football last year. It's not like he was hiding on an arena league team or out in Europe or any of that nonsense. This kid literally came from college with his degree, came over to to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and lo and behold, th- thrust into a starting role. Not being slowly eased into it because they had Matt Nichols. No, 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 no. Matt Nichols is hurt. Hey, guess what, kid? You're th- you're starting. Good luck. And look what he does. He has a solid game versus the Edmonton Eskimos at home. Loses in a a a, a, a tough, hard fought combat. Comes to Montreal and has a day with these guys. Has a a field day. Yeah. With the Alouettes, just yeah, yard, completely passing yards. Passing, yard, passing yeah. yards don't don't really match how, how good a day he had at all. Put this way, he looked more like a polished seasoned veteran than what drew freaking willie did and i don't i don't mean to keep harping on the guy but holy jeez like the guy is 31 years old and you still don't know how to get rid of the ball are you kidding me no i'm I'm sorry that's just unacceptable unacceptable that this this kid who's like 10 years your junior comes in and has a, a, a masterful performance and you don't like it's it's unacceptable simply unacceptable Yes, there really isn't much more. I mean, the, you know, they are having they they are getting more yards. Um, it's just that they can't score again, and I think it's just this defense that was touted to be so different based on who they brought in. You know, and and, and Rich Stubler has gone through bad games before in his career. I mean, Cliff he he was the def- he was the defensive guy during during the the seven hundred uh, what is it seven hundred and thirteen yard game. For Matt Dunnigan? Yeah, for Matt Dunnigan. And he was able to, to, to come back after that. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a one-off. I get it. But if you can't score, you can have one-offs. I get that. But if you can't come back from them. I mean, isn't this two years in a row that they've given up major points? They, they got blown up by Calgary. They, they got blown up by Winnipeg. I mean, this, this is a team that's giving up 39 points a game after two weeks. I think it's, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what was the final nail in the coffin? <laughs> I, and I'd say, I, I'd say that jokingly, but what? Was it the block punt for the touchdown? That that in itself. That was pretty. That was pretty brutal. I, I think for me, what the real nail in the coffin was, uh, Tommy Campbell with the absolutely pathetic coverage mm-hmm. during uh, one of the touch. I his name is uh, I forget who it was that scored for Winnipeg, but drive Strevler drives down the field and, and connects for the touchdown and. I, I, I mean, it was right in front of us too. That's what killed me. It was just because I was able to see it live, and you just saw the wind go right out of Campbell's sails. And right. again, I'm not I'm not harping on the guy, but like you could tell, like his effort level at that point was like, uh, whatever. <laughs> and that's depressing because I mean, if we can feel that in the stands, and that permeates throughout the entire team, uh, then yeah, you knew this was going to be a long, long night. I mean. Being down thirty four seven at halftime, if that doesn't make the night feel long, I don't know what will. But mm-hmm. like I said, it was just a bad effort all around, and that's what bothers me more than anything else. Like I, I can handle losing. I keep saying this, I can handle losing, but this was just we need it was cl- brutal. We need close games. Yeah, this wasn't a Thursday night either, so it wasn't long live the night night. You know, <laughs> that would have been so apropos for this type of game. By the way, you know, just under was that, just under nineteen and a half thousand people show up think is what it was and just what's killing us too cliff again for the second week in a row and i i posted this on on social media also is that and this was luck is funny after i I did this they they only had one after it but what i want to know is how the hell you know we're we're trying to get to the score etc etc but when you have a team that gives up was it 26 penalties for over 250 yards in two games? No. You have other issues too, don't you? There's no question. I mean, this Alouettes team has had discipline problems time in and time out, regardless of who the head coach was, regardless of who the starting quarterback was, regardless of who the coordinators were. And some penalties you can justify, but a lot of them you can't. And that's really what it is. And... Uh, I I just don't get it. I, uh, there was a time where I thought that this could be, like you trace it back to 
even when Jim Pop was general manager slash head coach, and he would let the guys get away with a fair bit of uh, uh, of chicanery, if you will. Uh, but it, again, this isn't Jim Pop's team. It hasn't been Jim Pop's team for a while now, so you can't use that as an excuse. Cavis uh, Reed, uh, I mean, I uh, I can't speak to how he deals with the players on a daily basis, but uh, for someone who, and I, uh, I, I'm loath to use this, but for someone who talks about when things will have consequences, uh, I don't think there's anything coming close to consequences as far as the Alouettes goes. I mean, I, I'm not saying that the inmates run the asylum, but there definitely isn't a whole lot of discipline on either side of the ball. And that's very troubling in a lot of circumstances. And this isn't a new thing. This is like you said, this has been a long time coming and something has to change as far as the attitude and demeanor when it comes to things like that, because there's certain penalties, like I said, you can accept, but some you you can't abide by. And we're seeing far, far, far too many of those with the LOS lately. It's, it's just mind boggling. It seems that everything that can happen to the team at once is happening to the team. You know, Drew Willie's getting killed. He's getting killed back there, and and he's not able to get the ball off. You know, I, I've heard, you know, I hear a lot of people jokes like, oh, "What, what's what's going on? What's going on with the with the you know with the with with the Owls? I mean, what happened to Drew Willie? Well, I got no answer. You know, I mean, you talk about some of these quarterbacks who were who are stars in this league, and now they're they're not they're they're perennial backups. You have to start somewhere. I I understand that. And what we're going to talk about a little bit later is the Owls may have taken that step. The Owls may have taken that step. Something had to give. There's no question about that. I mean, I've said before, and I'll say it again. With Drew Willie, what you see is what you get. He is a perennial backup, but I think he's proven time and again now that he is definitely not starting quarterback material. And I think Montreal just has to accept that and move forward. And Whatever the case may be, find out who the next starting quarterback is for the Alouettes. Because I'll tell you right now, it sure as hell isn't Drew Willie. Well, uh, a little bit later on, when we talk about the the breakdown for the game itself. We did bring on Alex from Piffles Podcast. Thank you for joining us, Alex. He he caught us before we started drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, to talk about this week's game, this uh, Humboldt Strong game in uh, in Saskatchewan this weekend. Uh, that that that. That's a very. It should be a very, very. It's a very interesting conversation considering uh, the problems that the our 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 fellow friends over in Saskatchewan are having with the current news that they had. But once we get to the interview, you will understand what we're talking about. Um, let's try to look at some of the positives. Let's escape. We can't do. We can't do it face to face. But here, Cliff, cheers. Oh yeah. Let's talk about what what has happened as of late. Um, first thing that i thought was funny by the way is that there wasn't any change uh i didn't receive any email for those fourth down tickets and it's been and it's been completely lauded on on social media lauded is a very polite way of putting it i would say straight up roasting yeah and anyone who's associated with the alouettes i i can't tell you how many people have been asking me personally on on Twitter and whatnot, uh, hey, what's going on with those four core tickets? How how many of those have been sold? I wonder. And mm-hmm. like, you talk about taking it on the chin. I mean, that is just over and over and over. It's and seriously, I I just don't understand the logic behind it. And and, they, and what uh, I don't understand is, uh, you know, I understand it's a promotion that the team is running, but there's nowhere to be found on the website now. Either, either on the French side or the English side, it's just nowhere to be seen. Um, I don't know. I get it. That's it. I mean, it, God forbid if somebody actually was truly interested in buying a ticket for the fourth quarter, which if this past Friday's game was any indication, I, that'd be money well wasted. Yeah. Um, what was your? I said we're trying to get to things, the positive stuff, positive things that, that occurred. What was your thought on the new changes to Percival Molson Stadium? Well, as far as the actual look of the stadium and everything like that, I mean, it still feels like home, which I'm very happy about. Yes. Uh, now, I didn't make it over to the North Stand, so I wasn't able to see their walk through memory lane for the team. But I did notice that they made modifications. And they completely changed our Grey Cup banners, which I felt was a little, a little weird. Um, it, it's you know, when you win a championship, you, you don't you don't change it. I mean, I understand they're trying to they're trying to match it to this year's. Uh, roots to wings uh, campaign and earn mm-hmm. your wings etc and a toujours game 
but I mean, they look nice and all, but I, I think you need to keep, keep the aesthetic that you win a great cup and keep it as a normal banner because what are you going to do? What you can, what are you going to change them back? Um, for me, I was in the, the Budweiser terrace cause I was one of the finalists for, uh, the trip to uh, uh, a chance to win the trip to join cliff and the other, and the other fans who are going to Regina this past weekend. I didn't make it. It was one off, uh, and there's such great odds too, Cliff. Such great odds. By the way, anybody, if you have a chance to 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 apply for a a a contest on Facebook, which is how it was done for the Owls, do it. Do it. You, you can't lose. You really can't. Well, you can, but you can't lose by 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 by, by getting a, a chance to do it. Um, what was your thought on the new on the new video board over in the new fan sec? Uh, is it, what do they call it? The fan section now? What do they call that now? They totally they've totally renamed the fan section. I can't remember what they call it now. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was interesting. I guess I, I mean, just felt kind of like uh, those projectors, like those home projectors that uh, people have. Uh, I, I guess for those that don't want to focus on the other part of the stadium or just don't want to strain their neck too much trying to watch the play in action, I guess that's kind of a good thing. Yeah. But uh, well, listen, the, I, I'll, I'll, I will always give the team credit for trying new stuff. Oh, I agree. I agree. Even if they're going to get roasted on social media for it or whatnot because it doesn't quite hit the mark or doesn't feel like a traditional football thing, I, I get it. You're you're trying to appeal to new people. You're trying to attract a new audience that hopefully will come to love football the way that we all all we all tend to do as it as it stands right now. But I don't know. I to me some of these uh, additions I can sort of take or leave. But I mean I like I said I, I give the team full marks for trying new stuff, trying to get people interested in and try to provide their, make their in-stadium experience a good one. So you can't be mad at that as no, far as no. I'm concerned. Bringing in the, I like the idea of the new scoreboard because uh, the video board, because you can watch it on the other end. Uh, myself, who is, you know, my eyesight is not that good uh, as it used to be. I'm able to, to be able to see, see a little bit uh, more of the, of the replay of that. That's, that's what they're going to do. Um, I will give them props for bringing in the different food trucks and being able to uh, to incorporate it in on the south side. Uh, if you went upstairs into the uh, the new upper deck, um, it's funny I say new upper deck and it's six years old already. Uh, <laughs> is that they had uh, they brought in the food truck? Well, brought in a food quote unquote food truck and uh, Lacage. Lacage actually had their own section set up at the far end of where we were sitting uh, for. Uh, for the game so you could go and buy their I think, tacos and, and they had a couple things on their menu so you know and i know they had some on the on the north side too some extra ones on the north side too so prop props to them for doing that do you know it's yeah i mean it, it's again it's all all about trying to get that that in-game experience and get people excited and hopefully they'll come back because i have to agree uh, as much as we are traditional football fans and to us that's what sells more than anything else and that's what's going to keep people coming back for more at the same time, we have to accept the fact that not everybody that comes to an Alouettes game is necessarily there for the football aspect of things. Right. They're there to be entertained. Right. And some people are entertained by food options. Some people are entertained by uh, the music. Some people are entertained by the cheerleaders. Some people are just entertained by the social aspect of being out and about at the stadium. So to try to be able to cater to all of that is not easy. But the Alouettes are certainly giving an effort to provide no matter whoever walks into the doors with a ticket, at least those people, when they walk in for the next three hours or so, God willing, they're going to be entertained by something at the game. So I think that's the end game right now for the LOS and they're trying it out, seeing what works. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I always believe that winning football games is the best entertainment you can hope for at a football stadium. And that'll come eventually too. Uh, but in the meantime, there's more than enough things to do at the stadium, yeah. and there's more enough things for people that may not be into football to check out. So I'm proud that the Alouettes are at least trying this out, and hopefully there is more hits than misses. That's uh, At the end of the day, that's all we can hope for. Yeah, we haven't tried some of the other sections that are there, you know, the uh, the, the all-you-can-eat section and stuff like that, and then the barbecue section. And But, you know, as I said, we may be mad at the team itself, but it, we can't fault the team for trying. The, the organization for trying and to do what they're doing and and they have uh uh they have their uh their fan day coming up 
first season ticket holders, and I don't think I told you, Cliff, but yes, you're invited. And if Manel wants to come, she's invited too, because I have four extra tickets I'm able to bring with me. So you are invited, like you were, I think you were last year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're, you are invited. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, uh, by the way, funny antidote. Okay, I have to tell this story, because I thought it's, I, I, this, I, I can't speak for other, I can't speak for other fans in other cities. But to me, this is a, this is the, the type of football that I love, and this is why I love the leagues like the CFL. So, you know, a, a few weeks back, uh, an ex-Alouettes player reached out, basically reached out to the team and said that there was a, a, certain, a certain jersey of his that was available to buy on the, uh, on the team store. And I guess he didn't get a, get a response back. So my, my friend Chris and I were roaming around the upper deck in some of the new kiosks that they have there. Uh, and then, and then with the new merch, some great throwback merch, by the way, as a side note. And we come across the one which where, if you remember, Cliff, they used to have where you, you could press your numbers on to your new jerseys that you bought that used to be down near on the, uh, I think it's the east side of the stadium where you come in. And Correct. They, oh, they moved it upstairs. And so we go in there and they have some of the game-worn jerseys. And sure enough, friend of the, friend of the podcast, Tanner Marsh's jersey is still there. The one back from, from 2013. Oh. So I so right away I knew because I had seen Tanner's tweet. Right away I, I reached out to Tanner and I said I said Yo Tanner basically Yo Tanner you still want this? And, uh, uh, and immediately tweeted me back, dude. I'll pay you. Pick it up. Nice. So if anybody had followed my my social media feed, you know you know exactly where this is going. Tan, uh, got the jersey for Tanner Marsh, and I will. Uh, I will be uh, presenting it to him. Sounds like an award. I'll be presenting it to him uh, when he's in town in mid-July. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, maybe we just might have to bring our old friend Tanner back to have a little chat on the flight deck and see how things are going with him. So yeah, let's let's uh, let's hope he can find a few moments for us. Uh, I mean, it, he's got to get his jersey, right? Or so another, or another drink. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Meet so, him for a drink again. There you go. So I mean, if we can bring. Uh, Bring Tanner back to talk uh, a little bit more about uh, his uh, post Alouette's career and uh, what's going on and what he envisions for the future. I, I, I'm sure our, our man would be down for that. Yeah. So let's uh, keep, just keep listening, folks. You yeah. never know who's going to appear on the flight deck. Yeah, so, so props to you know again. This is this is what I like. You're able to you you meet you become friends with somebody on social media or in person, and you're able to just reach out to them. And they and you have in your mind that you're saying, you know what? I know this dude well enough. And I remember him saying this thing that I'm able to say, yo, here's your jersey. I know you want it. Do you still want it? And I thought that's, that was the cool thing about it. Is that I'm able to, to we're, you know, as fans, we're able to reach out to alumni and say, hey, we're thinking about you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And I, I agree. This is one of the things that just makes the Canadian Football League just so, so wonderful that we can have these kind of interactions, not just with players, whether they're players from the past, present, uh, it's amazing. And just the reach of social media nowadays, I mean, every now and again, you sort of get blasé about it, but when you see stuff like that happen and just watch how it all folded, unfolded from start to finish, it was amazing. And like I said, and the fact that it's still going on, like like I said, until we get that jersey in Tanner's hands, I mean, this is, the, this is just incredible. And how do you not love this? How, how do you not love stories like this in the Canadian Football League? No, I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree. Um, I, I think probably what we can do now is we, we'll get to our conversation with Alex from Piffles Pod. Come back in. We will talk about uh, what we think. Any other things that we may have missed during the during the uh, uh, during the interview, and uh, yeah, and we'll do that. But before we do. We, we have to keep reminding you guys because I'm sure you but you, even you guys may already know do not forget that we are on social media we have multiple outlets here on social media where you can reach us here at the Alouettes Flight Deck you can reach us on Twitter Alouettes FL Deck you can reach us over at uh, Facebook at Alouettes Flight Deck and I think the most important thing now is that if you want to listen to any of the past uh, shows from the Alouettes Flight Deck from episode 1 to now episode 53 all you got to do is head over to alouettesflightdeck.ca listen to your enjoyment chime in and let us know exactly what you think so uh let's cliff we were talking to alex earlier 
Let's 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 go, let's go talk uh, a little uh, Alouette Saskatchewan football. Joining us this week to talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders game with the Alouettes is none other than one of the famous guys from the Pistols podcast. If you've heard them, you know who they are. We have Alex. Alex, thanks for joining us this week. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, the, the game itself should be very interesting. The Alouettes are coming off uh, one of their worst home losses in team memory, uh, something that Cliff and I really cannot get out of our heads. Um, we're trying to drown our thoughts in, with uh, with wine and beer and stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure you know what that's like because you've had many of those games yourself over the past couple of years. Um, when it comes to this <laughs> game between these two teams, uh, what does Saskatchewan need to do to get on track and to totally wipe out of their minds what happened last week and, and, uh, and try to beat the Alouettes? They need to find themselves an offensive line. Um, the, the main concern that this team, that we've found the entire offseason, and especially after they cut Travis Bond for some stupid reason in training camp, is, is who's going to be our offensive line? And they went with three Americans, and which, I mean, I don't have a problem with, but if you're going to have three imports, especially one playing guard, they got to be dominating. And they cut Travis Bond for uh, Harrison, and he just he. It's like he's holding the the red Olay tarp, you know, like then the bulls <laughs> coming at you. Yeah, <laughs> it just looked like he, he he's got big. He got beat. He got benched. They're they're rotating their right guard all game long with Darius Play Jack, who's normally their sixth lineman, and Harrison as well. Um, Everyone's talking about the quarterbacks here in Saskatchewan, and, and Zach Claros is hurt now, but it was Claros or Bridge, who's it going to be? It doesn't matter who it is. If the offensive line can't protect them, the, the team can't do anything on offense, and we saw that against Ottawa last week. Claros, when he actually had time, threw a couple strikes, but he was throwing off his back foot most of the game, and mm-hmm. same with Brandon Bridge. Uh, the O-line, they need to figure out what they're doing there because it, it's not looking good there. Now you, now you brought up uh, Zach Claros, who, of course, for those of you who are don't know has been placed on the six game injury list by the writers uh do you think personally in your opinion that everybody has put all their eggs in the claro's basket and now with brandon bridge having to play is this sort of a panic move or is this one of those things where give brandon the chance and he's got this i don't think it's a panic move um a panic move would be bringing a guy like darian durant in or terry joseph like they did in 2014 for the playoffs but uh they kept Brandon Bridge for a reason, and this is exactly why. I don't think they see him as the franchise quarterback, but they see him as a very good, pardon the pun here, bridge quarterback ah. until they get the, <laughs> until they get their next guy. Um, Claro, they they really did put all the eggs in the basket there, but for the first time in quite a few years, the Riders have a proven backup that can come in, win games, and hoping that Brandon Bridge shows what he has. And uh, a lot of people were clamoring for him to start here in Saskatchewan before Claros was even traded here. And now we're going to see what we have. You're talking about earlier between uh, the O-line and bridge. I mean, which is the, which is the, 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 which is the biggest unknown? Would it be bridge behind center or is it the O-line? Because obviously you need to have one in sync to make sure that the other can do what he needs to do in order to pass the ball properly. I still go with the O-line. Um, I'm really curious how this is going to work because Chris Jones really likes his pocket passers, and that was one of the reasons why he brought in Zach Caleros. But the O-line was giving up a lot of pressure, especially up the middle, and Caleros just doesn't have the mobility anymore to escape the pocket and move the pocket. Brandon Bridge does. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with their tackles uh, just to try and uh, see if they give Bridge that edge so he can run around and make things happen. A lot of his success last year with the Riders came on broken plays. And it was if you're kind of a technical football fan, you know, watching that way, mm-hmm. Bridge really didn't look comfortable at all last year, but he still did a lot of good things because he was able to use his mobility. Um, I don't think he has a choice but to use that mobility because the O-line has performed so badly, he'll have no choice but to run around. So it's kind of, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, the O-line's got to step up, but they... Bridge also has to run around as well, which normally you don't really want, but that's that's where his strength is. Now, for the second week in a row, it looks like Deron Carter is going to be playing almost exclusively on defense. What do you? What are your, what's your take on that? Like, obviously, we know what he can do on the football field as a receiver. There's no question about that. 
And sure enough, he did have a pick six last week against Ottawa, which is nothing short of impressive. I mean, the guy is an absolute freak of an athlete through and through. But do you think this has gone far, far past the whole gimmick of Duran being able to play both uh, sides of the ball? Or is this, do you think this is going to become more of a permanent thing? Well, it, apparently it's a permanent thing until Nick Marshall, who uh, won our boundary boundary cornerback slot in training camp, uh, until he's back from, from the 16 injured list, uh, had surgery on his finger. Probably, I'm hoping that they rush him back as soon as they can because he looked pretty good out there against Toronto. And and Jerron Carter, even though in his two career games has two pick sixes, he got exploited last week by Ottawa. And I, I don't mind the idea of Jerron Carter there in a pinch, because he's, uh, like you said, he's a freak athlete, probably the best overall athlete in the CFL. Um, but can he keep up with the receivers when they're running their routes and cutting? Like we saw Deontay Spencer just blow right by him. We saw him not be able to cover in zone coverage last week. He took the wrong guy and, and left Ellington wide open for, you know, just an easy pitch and catch for 15 to 20 yards for Ottawa. Jerron Carter has the ability to be a very good cornerback. And actually, I brought this up uh, today, actually, on an article that I wrote for PebblesPodcast.com. If you were to take a rookie cornerback, and in his first two games, he would have two pick sixes, he would give off a long touchdown to Deontay Spencer, one of the probably fastest guys in the league, and have a couple tackles, give up a few ex- few other catches as well, too, but then, you know, kind of swarm the ball and, and, and force his receiver out of bounds or whatever. Would you take that? Would you live with those growing pains? And I think I would if I'm playing a rookie out of college. I would take those. I would take that chance because you see the amount of potential. And really, that's what Deron Carter is doing right now. Um, but the problem with him playing on defense exclusively is you're taking away one of the best receivers in the game. And the Riders, well, going into the season, our biggest strength was the receiving core. Well, they got rid of Rob Bag. They got rid of Bakari Grant. They got rid of Chad Owens. So a little bit thinner now, and now you're taking Deron Carter out voluntarily. So now you're stuck with Nemanja Roosevelt, who I truly believe is the most underappreciated superstar in this league, and then Caleb Hawley. And then behind them, there's a whole bunch of unknowns. And when you're having problems with the O-line and you're having a young quarterback start, you want to have as many weapons as possible to try and exploit a, a Montreal defense that really hasn't looked that good. You need to have that playmaker out there. And if you're taking one away, <clears throat> pardon me, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's almost embarrassing that they can't find another cornerback to come in and play one, you know, a couple games. So there's, there's, there's got to be somebody else available because this little charade that Chris Jones is doing has to stop. Well, what's more of a detriment? <laughs> we were talking about it before. I mean, is there what, what else can they do, though? I mean, it's it's a unique situation. I, I, I would be afraid for I mean, do you, would it be smart for the riders to try and try him to go Iron Man, or is it something that's totally out of the question, especially with, I guess, the way that the rosters are in the CFL? I mean, it, it, isn't there an option where they could get him in no matter what? I, I don't think he can go Iron Man anymore. It's just the game is not played like that, like it used to be back in the you know 50s and 60s, where a lot of guys played on both sides of the ball. Right. It's just there, there's too much running now in the game where he's going to tire himself out. And it doesn't matter how, how good your cardio is, you're going to get worn out playing football, running back and forth all the time. Um, it's just, they, the riders have defensive backs on their practice roster. I'm not sure why they're not bringing one of them up to, to play corner for, you know, just a couple games. They could easily slide Javon Johnson, who's playing wide side corner, over to boundary, and then put someone new out there on the wide side. But for whatever reason, they don't want to do that. Do you think ratio is becoming a big part of this because i mean i i mean i understand what you're saying it makes a lot of sense but do you think coach jones is making these changes saying okay why well, now this american on this side i now need a modification to the ratio on the on the offensive side no uh not at all the ratio as much as the concern as that was for us going into the season i've seen sets where the riders are putting six canadians out there on offense okay at, like starting them so the numbers that they have on for the ratio are fine it's just a matter of finding the right spot for these guys. Okay. All right. Uh, so basically finish the sentence for me in order to win on Saturday, the Montreal Alouettes have to do this play a perfect game. They can't turn the ball over. They need to finish drives, score seven, not three and uh, be aggressive on offense. 
right? That's fair. That's that sounds like a really good strategy. I I, I hope the team is listening. <laughs> <laughs> How about score more than ten? Don't points? play this for them. Score okay. more than ten points. That's also a very good strategy. <laughs> Dude, there we go. Two good strategies. I mean, listen, we're just guys that do podcasts, but I mean, I, if we can figure this out, I sincerely hope that the professional football team is able to do likewise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hope so. Now, I know both, both Cliff, you're going to be at the game this weekend um, in Saskatchewan along with the Alouettes fan plane. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Alex, there's a, a huge thing going on this weekend with the uh, with the Humboldt Strong thing. What 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 so far has the, uh, been announced for what's going to be happening, I guess, pregame and during the game and what they're going to do for the team? Uh, well, pregame, they're going to uh, – they've invited all the families that have been affected by the Humboldt Broncos bus crash uh, to the game. Uh, normally, they have uh, on-field, um, I guess, perks for, for ticket holders as well where they can go on the field. Uh, if you win, if you enter in a sweepstakes or something, uh, where you can uh, you know hold the Canada flag, where you can stand there when the team comes out of the tunnel, uh, but none of that's happening this week. It's going to be all about uh, the humble Broncos. So I guess there's going to be a tribute video that's going to be done. They're going to, um, I believe they're going to have the the families on the field. I'm not exactly sure if they're going to introduce them all individually or just kind of all together. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be very emotional. Um, they're going to have uh, a performance at halftime, I believe, as well, too. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a really emotional night in in Saskatchewan here, and and we saw the outpouring of love that came from all across the country, and and honestly, all across the world after this happened. Um, everybody's taking a bus to go to a sporting event or or to you know a dance competition or or whatever it is. So this really hit home for a lot of people, and it, and it was just one of those thoughts that you know it, it could have happened to any of us. So it's going to be Cliff, bring your Kleenex because it's going to be a really emotional night. No, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an amazing show. I, I'm very excited, even though I won't be wearing the traditional colors one would wear at New Mosaic Stadium. Uh, I still think that uh, for one night, whether you're there to support the Alouettes or there to support the Riders, I think we're all going to be there really, truly to be supporting the green and yellow of Humboldt. And I'm definitely looking forward to being a part of this and i think what's nice what's nice too is i think the league announced that uh it's going to be a league-wide thing this weekend and that all teams across the league will be having a uh, memorial uh, humboldt strong sticker placed on on their helmets yeah there's that and then the riders have uh across the back of the helmets all year long they have uh humboldt strong across the back too so it's uh we call them the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for a reason and not the Regina Rough Riders. They are really are a, a provincial team and uh, humble. It's a couple hours away from Regina, but it's it's just like it's in our backyard. Wow. No, I, I'm definitely looking forward to being a, a part of this and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing you and the rest of the Piffles crew, Alex. I, I think we're going to have a good time uh, hanging out, enjoying, hopefully watching a, a really good competitive football game. And uh, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting to see you guys again. So before we let you go, if anybody doesn't know, they don't know already, how can they uh, get a hold of you or uh, you, your crew at the at Piffles? We are super easy to find anywhere you go online, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Piffles Podcast, P-I-F-F-L-E-S, which is actually named after Niels Piffles Taylor, who uh, was a, a rider back in the 1940s. So there's a little throwback to Neil Piffles Taylor. Um, anywhere you can find podcasts, go on there and, and just search Pipple's podcast and you'll find us. Fantastic. And greatly appreciated. It's been a long time coming that we need to get you on, on the show here. And uh, uh, we wish you all the best next uh, this week. Not all the luck. We kind of need some ourselves. So, But then again, damn it, Cliff, they're wearing green. Isn't green like a lucky color? Uh, for some, Uh <laughs> well, we used to wear green back in the day, back in the uh, the sixties or mid sixties and seventies. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but we don't now, so it doesn't really. That's matter. true. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah, that's totally moot now. So, <laughs> but yes, definitely made the. Like I said, all, all I want is a good competitive football game. I really don't think there's too much to ask from both of these teams. So, let's uh, let's see what Saturday brings, other than uh, some big emotions. And uh, hey, may the best team win, right? Absolutely. It should be a good one. Thanks for joining us, son. Hey, no problem. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks again, Alex, for joining us. Uh, it's been a long time. He's, I know you've been on, on their podcast a few times, haven't you, Cliff? 
I have. Uh, I said, I've been very fortunate to meet these guys in person over whether it's a Grey Cup or actually in Regina. So always a party, always a good time to uh, sit and chat with these folks. And uh, Alex, once again, thanks again for joining us. And I am definitely looking forward to seeing the entire Piffles podcast crew this coming Saturday in Regina. So uh, it's, like I said, regardless of what the did game is going to be just, like. Did you just slur podcast? I swear you, I heard you just say podcast. Podcast? <laughs> uh, I'm not as sick as you drunk I am. Ah. It was one beer. One beer. <laughs> what was the alcohol content, though, in that thing? That's not important, Tim. Ah, perfect. Good answer. Continue, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, very, very excited to be going out to Regina this weekend. I, I don't think anyone has ever said that in, in, in the history of anything, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am legitimately glad and excited to be going out and hanging out with this uh, Piffles podcast. I, I wish I were it's going to be awesome. I wish I were too, but I'll be watching. I'll be I'll be screaming at my TV. Well, you're going to have to be like if I get a little too crazy out there in Regina. I mean, I'm going to need to call someone for bail. So, uh, so keep uh, your cell phone charged. Uh, how do how do I block numbers on my cell phone? <laughs> New phone. Who dis? <laughs> who are you talking to? Um, some other news came across the wire, which can, which we'll talk a little more about the game itself too. But what we thought, what we're, which can be a little, can affect the team in a, a few more ways. And you know, we had the signing of not just one quarterback, Cliff, but two quarterbacks uh, within two. Was it the same day or within two days? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, within the past two days. Um, Ken Pretty much Hill. the past two days. Yeah, Ken Hill Jr. was signed. Uh, he's a quarterback who went to Texas A&M, then Texas Tech. Um, uh, no, TCU. Sorry, TCU. TCU. And he has been added to the practice roster. And then we find out today, and it's something, by the way, it's funny, something you and I talked about, I think, I think we talked about last show, where, sure enough, we are able to reacquire Vernon Adams, but this time, hey, Cliff, we don't have to give up a first-round draft pick. No. No, now, that's... Uh... Now, my thought, before you say anything, but my thoughts is this. We pick up Vernon Adams, and I am wondering, because we really haven't heard anything, if this has to do with the status of Matt Schiltz. Because he's been on the one-game injury list for the past two weeks, and we did hear in preseason from, from Coach Sherman that he was going through some stuff, pulled muscle or whatever it was. Do you think the signing, not necessarily of Hill's, uh, of Hill, but of Adams is a cause, or, or sorry, yeah, uh, is is because of what's ha- what we don't know is happening with Matt Schultz. I definitely think it's added to a lot of that. I think a, there's a lot of factors in play. I think as it stands right now, the way that Drew Willie's been playing has not really inspired a whole lot of confidence. Uh, not having Matt Schiltz as a, a backup is also a, a major concern because as of it stands right now, the quarterback chart looks like this. You got Drew Willie, Jeff Matthews. Wait, wait, Jeff, first throw interception Matthews. Uh-huh. And Garrett Fugate, who has a, a ton of potential but did not look that great in his one preseason showing. So, yeah, at this point, uh, you, you got to do something. You got to do something to spark this team, to reignite and get them – get people excited again and you take a look at the potential that a kenny hill has and fun fact if that name sounds familiar to you montrealers uh you're absolutely right ken hill former montreal expos pitcher is the father of kenny hill current alouettes quarterback so that's some for the for those of you that get nostalgic for the expos uh, that's a, a nice little connection right there but uh, the bringing back of uh, Vernon Adams, uh, I think, definitely is a, a sign that uh, things need to change. Uh, something has to change within the offense itself. And say what you will about Adams, uh, he is still very much an exciting young quarterback. And, oh, by the way, uh, he's 3-0 and as a CFL starter, all those with Montreal. Uh, Do tell. I know, right? Winning football games. What a concept. <laughs> Vernon Adams is actually pretty good at it. <laughs> Now, it's been a bit of a tumultuous time since he was traded to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last season. Uh, kind of found himself on the as the odd man out. Uh, ended up being traded to Hamilton uh, in exchange for Charleston Hughes, and that's a whole that was a whole other thing right there. Uh, he was very well received in uh, Hamilton. Vernon Adams was, and then uh, along came Johnny Football, and that kind of threw uh, a monkey wrench in the works. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he still always had a great attitude, still very upbeat, very positive uh, from what uh, my folks in Hamilton have been telling me. But uh, again, Jeremiah Masoli has been lighting up the league so far. And of course, you still have Johnny Manziel waiting in the wings. So, I mean, if, if Johnny Football can't get playing time because Masoli's doing so well, then Vernon Adams sure as hell is not going to get playing time in the hammer. So he pretty much became the odd man out and uh, was released. And uh, I, I heard some reports that uh, Calgary may have been interested in bringing him in for a look. But uh, Cavis Reed, to his credit, uh, I think he's sort of realizing that, hey, this season's going to get from, away from us pretty quick. So we got to do something to spark this offense. And again, did I mention that he's 3-0 and as a CFL starting quarterback? Uh, now, I'm not promising that he's going to continue with this, but I, I see what Vernon Adams brings to the table. And I think given the right offensive coordinator, which we have in Kahari Jones, a former quarterback that played a very similar style to what Vernon Adams does, right. I, I think Kahari Jones has to be excited at the prospect of having someone like Adams in the lineup, someone that he can take and mold and turn into a quarterback and this is the kicker right now is Vernon Adams would in theory get a lot of playing time with the Alouettes and if he can find that connection with the receivers if he can work with Tyrell Sutton to move the ball downfield I think there's there's some hope there there's something anything I mean for 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 a team that needs a spark of some sort a, a kick in the ass something to get them going this could very well be it. Yeah, and he uh, was, and Adams' three wins were at the uh, at the end of the 2016 season. But still, that was a tumultuous year, also for the Alouettes. Uh, you know, getting those three wins, and one of them, by the way, happened to be Saskatchewan. Even though we don't think he's going to be starting this week. By the way, if those if those dra- uh, if those depth charts come out, Cliff and Adams is starting, would it surprise you? Yes. And I say this only because he just finished learning the Hamilton playbook. I spent the better part of the offseason learning the Hamilton playbook. For him to come in, he's still a young man, too. So, I mean, I don't expect him to learn Montreal's offensive playbook in two, three days, essentially. And that's basically what he would have because it'll pretty much be his first practice tomorrow uh, or Wednesday, I should say. Right. So we got Wednesday, Thursday, and then you fly to Saskatchewan on, on the Friday. I mean, two days is not nearly enough to really get the playbook down. So I, I could see him dressing, but I just I couldn't see him actually getting in, in any game action unless things were really dire. But stranger things have happened in this league. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it, it's it's interesting. Now, by the way, something broke today too, and I'm trying to find the tweet because we actually picked up somebody else because we are actually hurting. Uh, you know, John Bowman is, he was practicing, which is, which is a plus because I know he's been having some issues with his, uh, with his ankle. They, they, I think the, specifically they said wonky ankle. I think it's how they put it. Um, here it is. Who else did we have? Uh, it was broke by, it was, was it broke by Dave Naylor? Cliff? Regarding? Uh, the, who else? Did, damn it. I'm trying to find it here. It's, it's in my plethora of tweets that were, that I sent out today. Let me see if I can find it. I apologize. I should be uh, I should be more on the ball here, but I'm not. Well, there was one pickup that uh, hasn't quite been made official yet, oh, but it is. Uh, uh, Kevin Love. I'm oh, sorry, Glenn Love. Glenn Love. Yes, that's yeah. exactly where I was going with this. Yeah, that, uh, that came from Joey Alfieri, actually. Uh, former Calgary Stampeder and uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Uh, he's been waiting for. He's been waiting patiently for his chance to get back to the Canadian Football League, and lo and behold, it's going to be with the Alouettes. So that's a uh, that's a move that will definitely help the defense. Uh, definitely a good, solid depth move. Uh, definitely uh, an exciting player uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, hasn't had a chance to really shine too much as of late. But uh, I've again had a solid outing last season in Saskatchewan, and uh, I. I I'm encouraged by this move. I, I think this is a good, a good, solid veteran who's not on the wrong side of 30 for a change, which is always nice mm-hmm. for an Elwood's team that has to keep getting younger and at the same time still manage to get some veteran experience. Uh, Glenn Love will definitely provide that. So I'm definitely encouraged by this move. Uh, between that and uh, signing Vernon Adams, uh, again, I think th- this team realizes they need to do something and they need to have a spark and 
this will definitely help provide that. I, I, I truly believe that uh, these moves will definitely help uh, help keep things exciting, keep them interesting here in Montreal. And this is a team that definitely needs some excitement and a little bit of interest. Yes. Um, this this will be this will be the the last game with the wings on the helmet. Yes, it will. So be thankful, Saskatchewan. You get to see those beautiful helmets live and in person. I think like the Alouettes fans have only seen them once, whereas uh, the road teams have seen them now. Uh, well, this will be twice. Yeah, and and uh, wow, if I remember correctly, the last time that the Owls wore these infamous red wings at Saskatchewan, I could swear they won that game. Mm. I believe you're right, and if I'm not mistaken, our quarterback threw to our receiver and made one heck of a catch, wrapping his hands around the. Uh, Saskatchewan defender's helmet in order to make that catch. Oh my God! I keep forgetting about that one too. So many, as we were talking, you know, with Alex before, so many things have happened in Regina between these two teams. It's just bonker games, bonker, bonker game. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on, touch base on specifically with Alex about the games coming up? Now, by the way, there's no line on the game. I usually tell us what the line is from five times, but as of today, when we're taping, um, there's not a line yet. And I am wondering if, if the changes at quarterback for Saskatchewan specifically has has delayed them coming out. Um, but anything else you, that we did not touch on that you would like to, to bring up specifically about the game? Well, I mean, we sort of touched on it a little bit, but I mean, it is going to be the Alouettes fan plane game, which is going to be interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll be on that flight along with many other Alouettes fans. Uh uh, again, I'm definitely looking forward to the experience of actually getting to travel on the team's charter plane. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure to report that report back of the on that experience uh, for you uh, for you good listeners. But sure. uh, by all means, uh, I, I've been saying for years, like it, past over the past couple of years, when the Elvets have done fan plane games, it's just been to Hamilton or Toronto. Which, okay, I guess it's kind of cool to go on a plane and go somewhere. But I've always said you got to go west for these, like really west for these games. And finally, the Alouettes are doing that by going to Regina. So I, I'm i really excited to see what uh, what's going to be happening there. Uh, excited to see New Mosaic Stadium for technically the second time because I've yeah, been there right. before. Yeah, I've been there before, but not to see an actual football game. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what that experience is going to be like. And again, it's just going to be, I think, a great weekend of football. I just hope that both teams remember that they have to play a great game of football in order to entertain the fans and uh yeah I, I don't think we could ask for much more than that to be honest with you yeah it it, it should be um uh, i i'm glad you're going and i said i wish i was going but it's um yeah we talked about it before with humboldt the humboldt strong and whatnot and it's it'll be a different type of, i think a different type of atmosphere than it normally would be you know going to either for a gray cup or whatnot but um I'm actually very surprised because, you know, you were telling me when the game was and you were telling me what your itinerary is. I was like, the game's at 7 o'clock? I couldn't believe mm-hmm. the game was... I thought the game, you know, Regina and their Saturday games are usually in the afternoon. Usually they are, but uh, I, again, with this uh, with this tribute and uh, you know, with TSN more or less controlling the, uh, the programming schedule, that probably played a little factor in that as well. Uh, it'll definitely make for a very interesting weekend and it'll be a long weekend too so i uh oh yeah yeah that's right i i think uh just i think emotions will definitely be running high of course with the whole uh tribute to the humble broncos uh i don't know i i don't i, I really don't know what to expect and that's part of the fun of it as well is that i'm kind of going into this a little bit blind i mean i've been to, like I said, i've been to saskatchewan for a football game before and it's a great experience uh just haven't been to the new stadium to see the game there so there's going to be all sorts of new potential new memories to be made. And to me, that's part of the fun of football more than anything else. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Alouettes themselves are going to present this to their fans. that are going on this plane. And I think it's going to be a, a really opening experience, to be honest with you. Should be good. I said, I'll be at home watching the game, uh, doing my stuff that I'm doing for the CFL and stuff like that. So, but I, I will be, I'll be with you there in spirit. I'm just hoping that you get to see a good game. That 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 that's the main thing, and there are a lot of variables this week that point to it's it's very possible that this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a very uh, this should be a good game. It should be a good game. So that's all we can ask for, really, truly. Yeah. 
Um, do not forget this game. We have the game uh, next Friday. Is it next Friday? Next Friday versus the uh, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, so when we join you guys again next week, we will talk about everything about what happened in Regina and preview the game for next week. And the uh, last thing before Cliffy and I sign up this week is we want to make sure that we wish all of our Canadian friends, whether you be in Canada or whether you be across the world, we hope you have a, uh, a very happy Canada Day. Bon fête du Canada. And uh, be safe and uh, enjoy Canada's birthday. So, Cliff, I will talk to you soon. Be safe, my friend. Always. So, everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliff UD, I'm Tim Kepper. We're on Final Approach. Take off! Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.